Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, and on my Waco, we invading airwaves. Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are live. We're up on wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, it's your man, <clears throat> DJ Mante, a.k.a. DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. And not only this is, is this Cool Radio, but this is the first Cool Radio uh, that I'm doing virtually. And that I also have a guest as well. This guest is a longtime friend of the show, Hall of Fame member, if I may say so myself. He is a basketball coach, a professional athletic trainer, and also an author as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about my man, my brother, the one and only Justin Alleman is sort of in studio, virtual studio, if you will. <laughs> Justin, welcome to the show, bro. Appreciate you. And it's still a pleasure to be here, even though I'm over here, you know what I mean? I still feel the same vibe, so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just trying to stretch out the vibes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Appreciate you or that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, yeah, man, like, uh, it's been a minute since, since you've been on the show, man. I think the last time you were here, um, or on Cool Radio, rather, um, you did put out a book. Um, I think it was, was it an autobiography of sorts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, called Before My Glory. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. And since then, how's the uh, response been uh, from, from your book? So, I mean, I put that book out um, in December 2019 at the end, right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it was really a 2020 thing. I kind of gave people a sneak peek for, you know, if they want to get it for Christmas, all that kind of stuff. But it was really a 2020 project. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, um, I sold over a thousand copies, over 2000 copies so far. All right. Um, and, and counting. I think we're closer to 3000 right now. Hey. Um, and I just... Also, one last month, um, best author of 2020 by People's Choice Awards. Hey, there you go. I'm going to put in the cool drop for that. <laughs> nah, congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank you. And it was crazy because, you know, when I, I started writing this book, first off, I never thought I'd be writing a book. Mm -hmm. And then second off, I never thought I'd be winning any sort of award for it, you know. So mm -hmm. it's crazy that I've gotten this far on something I never had any plans or aspirations to do. Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show you when. God has a plan for you, you know, there's nothing that can stop it. Absolutely, absolutely. And <clears throat> how did it feel knowing that, you know, you putting out something as intimate as, as a novel about yourself, uh, a biography, if you will, and having, you know, the fans be so receptive to it to the point where you got an award out of it? Like, how, how did that feel to you at that moment? Honestly, it was amazing. Um, you know, again, like I said, I didn't, I never knew the kind of response that would come to this book. All I know, all I knew was that um, when I was writing, I was going to put my all and put my heart into it. And I wanted to tell my story the way that I wanted it to be, to be heard and seen. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was really specific on the way that I chose my words in there because I wanted people to feel the emotions that I felt or envision the emotions that I was going through and, and kind of see where I was coming from and as to why um, I was feeling the way I felt. So, 
Mm-hmm. One, people would respond and write back to me saying, oh, they were crying when reading this book. And, mm-hmm. you know, this really, they thought they were going hard, but now this book motivated them to go even harder or, you know, all things of that, of those mm-hmm. natures. It really kind of made me think like, man, like, you really had an impact on people, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And that's definitely the most important thing. If you're able to touch somebody with your story, even if they're going through something completely different, but they're still able to, you know, empathize to the point where, you know, they show emotion as they're reading it. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Now, when it comes to the world of, you know, professional athletics, I feel like the common everyday person has a lot of, you know, misconceptions about, you know, what it takes to be an athlete, um, you know, in, in that environment, in that world, and not knowing about, you know, the, um, I guess, like the, the grind and the hustle that kind of comes with it. Uh, I think people only view the finished the, the finish project or finished product, rather, when it comes to watching athletes on television, whether it be LeBron James or Dwayne Wade or whatever the case may be. Um, upon, you know, releasing this book, uh, do you feel that based on the reception that you've gotten from, you know, fans or readers that their perceptions of you know, the world of athletics has somewhat changed or been altered, so to speak? That's a tough one. It's tough to say. I mean, you know, when people hear stories, they, well, at least how I see it anyways. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I would think that it would change m- my narrative. And that's what I wanted people to get out of it, that their narrative would be changed on the type of person that they thought I was or what it actually took to get to places that I've gone, that I've gotten to. But some people take it at face value and think, this is your story. This is how it is for you. And others may have had it a little differently. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard for me to say that. But for the majority of the people that read my story and have reached out to me, um, they've, had, um, they've said to me that they now see that it's a little bit harder than what they thought it would be um, prior to reading the book, you know? So their perspectives have changed a little bit, but still, I still believe that they're more thinking it's it's my story and I just went through the struggle right. because they're not currently going through those things. They might not be an athlete. It was, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't mm-hmm. just athletes who read it. Um, it was families, it was a whole school board. It was artists. It was all sorts of people that I never even thought would be interested in it. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> Were there any, you know, stories or tales within your within your novel that you felt a little apprehensive about sharing? Uh, most of them. I mean, you know, it's it's very touching subjects that I that I was writing about, which mm-hmm. is my life. You know what I mean? And people, a lot of people don't share stories about their life because they don't want to be judged, and they don't want people to have a deeper look into what they've gone through or what they're currently going through. Mm-hmm. So I feel like all the stories that I shared in there, um, you know, which were things that people didn't necessarily know about me were things that I was kind of, I don't know if I should kind of go that route. Right. But I didn't go crazy with it. And the reason why is because and it's a little leak, but I am coming up with a second book. Hey, um, exclusive. First, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this first book, I wanted to be the PG version mm-hmm. of what I was doing. And now the second book, um, is going to be, it's just going to be raw, you know? So if you hide your kids for this one, (laughs) (laughs) hide your kids, hide your wives, (laughs) right? So, you know, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about the second book because, you know, we don't want to give too many spoilers, whatever, but like, um, what makes this second novel more edgier in your eyes? Um, because, okay. And uh, I'll just, 
I don't want to leak the title, but maybe I might leak the title. But mm-hmm. so the first book was called Before My Glory. Yeah. Um, for those of you guys who read it and for those of you who didn't cop that, Before My Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talked about me in my earlier life before I became where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Like before I even got into the roles that I play right now. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of a lot of it was my childhood and then high school and then college and university life and all sorts of stuff like that leading up to me starting my business, right? Didn't really talk about me once I started the business. This one now is going to talk about what's happening since I started the business. So now you're really going to get the nitty gritty of how hard it actually is to start a business, mm-hmm. like quit your full-time job, jump out on a limb mm-hmm. and all the tales and, and crazy stuff that happened to me when mm-hmm. I thought shit would be sweet, starting my business and just, you know, flourishing, which obviously didn't happen. Right. And, and, and that's interesting as well, because, uh, and we were talking, you know, before we got in the air, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, hustle culture generally, and, you know, go on Instagram and seeing posts about, you know, did you work on your dreams today and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go on, <clears throat> pardon me, when you go on social media in general, you'll see a lot of people who have like their own businesses and all we see from, you know, let's say Instagram, for example, are the highlights. So we see the good stuff. Basically. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like we see, you know, somebody, you know, at, at their job or at their passion doing what they do, what have you. And people don't necessarily know what goes into that. So will this novel uh, be a much more in-depth look of what goes into there and give people better perspective as to what it took to get to where you're at right now most definitely this is going to be a tell-all tale that's what it's going to be okay. so i mean there's some stuff in there that happened that you like might look at me after and be like really yeah <laughs> really went that far really went that far right you know but sometimes in order to get to the top you gotta you gotta do some things that you you might not necessarily be proud of in the moment or that you wouldn't do if you already if you if you had it handed to you mm-hmm. you know you just gotta kind of swallow your pride uh, sink your teeth into what you're doing and just put your head down and go. Exactly. And, and, and I think uh, that's one thing that a lot of people aren't willing to do to get to that next level is to, you know, put your ego to the side and what have you Yeah, and, and, and and humble yourself depending on what the situation is. Right. So I think like you're saying, you know, some people may think that shit's sweet once you have your own business or once you are where you are and people don't see the grind, but, now that we have this novel coming out, <clears throat> they'll be able to see the grind, you know, visual or like me- mentally, of course, and then be like, oh, oh, so it wasn't that easy. Like you, you had to do that. Like, it, it's funny because like some people, you know, like in regards to the show and what have you, um, you know, some people would think, oh, man, so you just got this out of nowhere. I'm like, no, no, this is, this is not come out of nowhere. I promise you that that would be nice. But no, it definitely didn't. So I think a book like yours definitely will help bring perspective to what people may see as, oh, you made it, or it just came to you. It just naturally came. And it's just like, nah, there's something that's to work. That's the thing. That's what um, inspired me to write the first one, because everybody always thought that, you know? And I wanted them to know that there was such a tough road for me before I even got into my business. So you haven't, for, for people to come out and just say things like that, I just feel like, you know, you're, you're not really, you, you have no idea. You know what I mean? You have no idea what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. let me educate you right. on what actually took place. Right. 
and then you got to talk about sustaining things now and that's what's going to be talked about in this next book too and, and mind you it's not a business book telling you how to run your business or anything like that it's mm-hmm. just telling you all the things that us as business owners and things uh, and other people like that that we go through that nobody wants to share because mm-hmm. again on instagram we're all perfect exactly like we all just opened up an instagram account did whatever we did and now here we are mm-hmm. flourishing absolutely no, i was broke <laughs> i mm-hmm. lost everything <laughs> my house my bends mm-hmm. everything right oh, god i missed that bend so oh trust <laughs> me if i had a bed i'd be missing it too <laughs> yeah i feel for you yeah. in that regard <laughs> yeah. but, but you know it, it's funny though because you know like talking about instagram like i actually had to like i didn't delete my instagram or anything like that but like i had to stay off of it for a while because it, it just became like again like i was saying the highlight reel and what have you right and you know, you have the people over there who will, you know, post certain things and like they want people to believe that this is what they're doing every day. But when really that may not be the case, you know what I mean? Because like exactly. at the end of the day, you're posting things just so you can gain more followers and traction. And, and I get it. You know, there's there's a business to it and what have you. But I feel like when you overconsume things like that, it kind of taints you, especially if you personally don't feel like you are where you're at or where you should be at. And so for me, it's just like, I kind of had to detox myself from that and social media for a bit. I'll just make the occasional posts here and there, but I didn't want to have to, I didn't want it to have to be a thing where it's like, okay, every post I got to put up, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something of me doing something because I want people to know that I'm active doing something. You know what I mean? It's just like, sometimes you just gotta take a break from that. (laughs) Yep. For sure. Absolutely, man. And you know, People, you know, you, you just mentioned actually how people don't know about the things that you, you kind of had to go through and stuff like that. Um, and when you said that, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, NCAA athletes, for example, because people don't know what they go through. And whenever some people hear about how they're complaining about how they're not being paid or whatever the case may be, a lot of people, again, who are outside of that world, who li- know little to nothing about, you know, the business of sports and, and, and what have you. They kind of, you know, shoo them away. Be like, oh, what are you talking about? You're playing the sport. You're an amateur. You shouldn't be earning that money. But it's just like they don't know how much money these corporations that are built around them are taking in and and how they're getting none of it. You know what I mean? And it just makes you think about, well, because, you know, March Madness tournament is happening right now. It just makes you think about that a lot. Uh, But but what would you say about, you know, student athletes and and how they're treated uh, with regards to the NCAA? Like, like most people, I think, you know, I played ball too myself in the States as well. Mm-hmm. I think that this is embarrassing. Like, we, we, we're so far, or we, we think that we're so far, um, you know, with sexism and all these things with equal rights for men and women, equal pay and all that kind of stuff. And I get it in every scenario that might not be the case, but in something like this, this is wild. Like, it's the same sport. It's the same everything's the same the courts mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's but you're you're treating them differently mm-hmm. everything else is the same but your treatment of the athletes is different just because mm-hmm. one happens to be female one happens to be male mm-hmm. like it should be equal on both parts do they not need to eat good as well to fuel their bodies and 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 play at their best do they not need to work out and stay in shape mm-hmm. in order to you know perform at their best as well like what I, the meals that i saw was just wild and then the gym and then there's so much more things that we didn't see. You know what I mean? That's what scares me. Right. 
and and uh, you, you mentioned the the disparity between the 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 male and the female athletes in, in the NCAA as well. It's interesting because I was watching uh, Tim and Friends the other day actually, and um, they were showing a video clip from a, a female student athlete. I can't remember her name, but she was showing us what the men's gym looked like and what yeah. the women's gym looked like. And the men's gym was huge, like every piece of equipment that you could think of. It looked like a like a big giant CrossFit gymnasium, if you will, just like a little playpen, if you will. Whereas when it came to the women's gym, it was literally just a rack of dumbbells, and that was it. Like five dumbbells. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> Only one person can work at it at a time. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Like, I could fit that in my bedroom. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even like working out in my bedroom, so I can only imagine how they're feeling. So, like, I, I see disparities like that. Like, it's... And again, like, it, there's so many issues that go into to, to the NCAA, like, when it comes to, you know, gender equality, when it comes to the lack of pay for any of the athletes, male or female, and how much, you know, a lot of these corporations are, are hoarding in. Uh, but then, like, I just get so angry when, you know, just the common people are just like, whatever, they're playing a sport, who cares, and stuff like that. And it's like, put it, and I, and I try to make people empathize by saying this. If you are working hard at, at a gig that you are help bringing in so much money and so much commerce, whatever the case may be, and the employer looked at you and said, yeah, we're not giving you anything. Well, we'll give you like a few, you know, like coupons here and there. But other than that, yeah, we're not giving you anything. How would you feel? Exactly. Like, you're entitled to whatever profit that you're bringing in as well. And so I just try to let people, you know, marinate on that because like people will not, people generally won't care about a certain thing until it happens to them or until something similar happens to them. And then, you know, their eyes open. It's like, oh, now I get where you're saying. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's how things usually go, though. And it's it's a shame that it has to get that far, but right, it's the world we live in right now, you know. It is. It is. Um, you know, speaking more about the world we're in, man. Like, let's let's uh talk about the NBA real quick, because I I know you have like a lot of uh you have a lot of pull in the NBA, man. You 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 worked out with uh, Raptors Nine Five. You've been one of their athletic trainers. Um, like you you've done a lot with that team. Uh, let's let's talk about the NBA for a second, though, on on, on a larger scale. So last year, before the pandemic happened, uh, a huge, huge tragedy happened. Uh, and, you know, I'm referring to Kobe Bryant and mm-hmm. uh, his passing, as well as the passing of his daughter and the friends that he had in that helicopter. Um, we, we are a year or over a year removed, you know, from that tragedy. Uh, what's, you know, basketball been like for you, just in general, you know, when it comes to the game, the league, whatever the case may be, since the passing of Kobe, like how, how has that impacted you since then? I mean, just to take it back. That was a tough day. I remember when it happened, I was, I was in Vancouver actually um, running a camp. I always go out to Vancouver a few times a year and I run these specialty camps. And that was one of the times I was doing it. And I was on the court wearing his shoes. And I, for some reason it was weird because I was, I went down to tie my shoes. And when I looked up, one of the counselors was like, Kobe just died. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. He's like, Kobe's dead. I'm like, nah, you're mm-hmm. kidding me. And I just looked down at the shoes that said Black Mamba on them. And I was like, this can't mm-hmm. be true. And then I opened my phone. as like everybody else did, looking at all the tabloids and stuff. And I seen it and I just knew. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately ran into the washroom. Camp was over me. From that time on mm-hmm. until like six, seven hours, it's tears mm. felt like i knew the man you know what i mean and mm. 
as you can see, I got posters of this guy still right here in my office. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's how much the guy meant to me. Mm -hmm. Like everybody else is a childhood hero to me as well. Right. But it was, it was a huge tragedy and basketball. Um, what it, what it taught me again was, you know, life is short, Mm. super short. Uh, um, and as I get older, I realize just how short it is. I can, I always talk about, you know, just yesterday being 19 and now I'm 32. Like, what the heck happened? <laughs> Where did the time go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just made me have a greater appreciation for not just basketball but itself, but on a bigger scale, life in general. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it also opened my eyes to make me want to do bigger things than just basketball, mm-hmm. um, which I've started a few different ventures now um, since his passing. Um, I can touch on those after if you want. Mm. Of course. But, um, yeah, it just, it just helped me to realize that, you know, that life waits for nobody, rich or poor. We're all equal in some sense. Mm-hmm. And, and death does not discriminate, mm-hmm. you know? So we got to treat each other nice while we're here, treat each other the best that we can, live mm-hmm. our, our dreams and live our lives. Enjoy it while we can. Absolutely. <clears throat> I remember... I remember that day like it was yesterday, unfortunately. Um, It was was a slow day for me. It was a Sunday, I believe, actually. I was just like taking care. Yeah, I was just taking care of a few chores here and there, you know, just, you know, lazy Sunday, whatever. And, you know, taking out the recycling. And then um, then, um, my dad was calling me from from upstairs, whatever. And he's like, oh, they're saying on the news that a Laker legend died. So I'm thinking, okay, somebody a bit older in age, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, someone who played back in the 60s or or something like that. And then he's like, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Cole, Cole. I was like, stop talking about Kobe. The guy's like 40 years old. What the hell? Yeah. And so I, I humor him. I'm like, you mean Kobe? It's like, yeah, they're saying that he died. I'm like, I'm like, dad, he's like 40-something years old. Like, he's well alive. He's like, no, they're saying he died in a helicopter crash. I was like, what? So, like, I rushed upstairs to see exactly what he was talking about. And then I just saw, like, the headlines on, on the news. I think it was CNN or MSNBC, one of those two. And they're saying legendary basketball player Kobe Bryant dies in a, in a helicopter crash. I was like, what? And, like, yeah. I, just, I just, like, it, it felt like everything just sunk into yep. the pit of my stomach. And, like, I just couldn't function properly the rest of the day. And interesting enough, interestingly enough, there was a Raptors game later that day, actually, against the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because, you know, DeMar DeRozan's on that team by now. And we all know, you know, watching the Raptors growing up, whatever, like during that um, 2010s decade, uh, we knew that he was a big Kobe fan. And, like Kobe was his favorite player. So I'm thinking like, how's he taking it? But then how are the rest of the players in the league taking it? Especially like a lot of the young players coming up who are in like their, their mid-20s. Like a lot of the guys who are now prime in the league, the faces of the league, they grew up watching Kobe, right? So like I'm thinking, how are these guys feeling? How are these guys handling it? But the way I was handling, I'm just like, this is, this is a dark day. And like, mind you, I'm not somebody who takes a lot of stock in like celebrity deaths. Like, I'll, of course, I feel empathetic. It's like, you know, it's a shame that yeah. we lost a life. But you know, like you, I grew up watching Kobe as well, and like, he's probably one of the, the few celebrities that I identified with only because of the fact that he played my favorite sport. And like, yeah. he was part of the lexicon of players that helped fuel my love for basketball. It's like MJ, of course, but then. Akeem Olajuwon, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill. Like, I grew up watching these guys. And then seeing, like, a young Kobe come out of high school, you know, it's just, like, you kind of connect to him when you're a kid because, like, we don't often get to see players drafted 
straight from high school into the NBA. So we're like, oh, he's kind of like us. Like, we're kids. He's a kid or whatever, yeah. right? And, and he, geez, like, I remember watching the day he got drafted. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. And, you know, for me, like, as I've gotten older, like, I've been a bit more critical about, about Kobe in terms of, like, the way he plays the game and his leadership. And, like, it's well-documented. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I never had a, a critique about Kobe. But re- regardless of any of my critiques, I always had a high level of respect for him just because he wanted it. Like, he, he, he played a game that he loved. He was passionate about it uh, while he was in the league and after he was in the league. Like, he was an ambassador of the game. And he, he played, like, this big brother role to a lot of these guys who were watching, like Giannis yeah. and Devin Booker. And, like, I admire that so much. Like, to me, like, my favorite version of Kobe is retired Kobe. Because now he's, like, Yoda or, like, Mace Windu just passing on the wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, he's a guru. It's just, like, he's he's not, like, not being, like, a prude or a snob about it. It's, like, yeah, like, I'll give you some advice. You want some advice? Great. Here's, like, I remember, like, there was this whole Twitter thread of him just giving me advice to different players or whatever. Like, he told yeah. DeMar DeRozan to reconnect with a friend or whatever. He told Giannis win MVP. Like he was telling everyone just that's my favorite version of Kobe. Yeah. That like, that is my favorite version of Kobe. Like amidst all the accolades there, like that is my favorite version of Kobe because he's giving back. He's giving back what the game gave to him all those years ago. And he's giving back. And so, you know, just seeing that out, just seeing him, the headline of him passing and everything. Like it was, it was tough. And even to this day, it's still tough because it's like, a few days before that that tragedy, like he was, you know, congratulating LeBron for passing one of his milestones. The day, the day before he died, the Saturday before he passed. Yeah, I, I Saturday and then Sunday he passed. Yeah, it, it was insane. I and I was it all time scoring in in, in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's what I remember. Yeah, because I think it was it was Kobe and then MJ. I think uh, I think um, LeBron had to right past MJ if that was, or maybe I'm getting it wrong. But like I know no, he, he passed was Kobe. he was. It was, it was uh, Kobe's pass MJ. So he passed MJ already, and then he was passing Kobe, and he passed Kobe the day before he passed away. Okay, okay. So yeah, it was just like a lot of those things. It just really hit me. So like I remember coming to work the next day, and like I work with a bunch of guys who are like, like a lot of the people that 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 work in the company are basketball fans. But like within the team that I work with, like we're all basketball fans. Like we all play hoops like every Tuesday and stuff like that at a nearby court. And so when we came into work, like man, the vibe in the, in the, in the office was just, it was off. Like the energy was off. Like nobody just even wanted to work. Like we're talking about a little group chats, like, yo, Kobe, man, Kobe. Like even when we were doing like our little like Monday morning, like meetings, whatever, like even the manager at the time, he was like a new manager at the time or whatever, but he was like, he, had, he even put like a slide of Kobe in his presentation as well. And just to try and relate it to, you know, being successful and just, you know, putting in the effort and stuff like that. And even, he even had a few words about Kobe during he his little Monday meeting presentation. So I was like, man, like this is hitting on all angles, man. So like the next day after that, our, our Tuesday basketball meetups, whatever, like everyone just kind of came in with the energy. It's like, yo, we're going to play hard today. Like no, no, yeah. no dicking around. No, no slacking. Like we're, we're playing hard for Kobe. So like yeah. it felt like every man brought their best game. And it's like, not even just that, but like people who di- didn't really come to play basketball often, like those days were like, yo, we're coming, we're coming. I'm like, okay. Good. Like, like everybody was feeling that energy. So, like, it just permeated yeah. that way. So, I guess that was our way of celebrating the legacy of Kobe. But mm-hmm. even then, like, it's still the fact that he's gone. Like, it just doesn't feel right. I know. It doesn't make sense sometimes. I see it all. I think about it all the time. Like, I still can't believe this guy. Like, every time you see him, uh, well, him, like, photos or videos of him on Instagram. Just, yeah. Man, crazy. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's insane. 
But, you know, the, the league, you know, it, it prevailed. It, it persevered on. I think um, that competitive spirit translated very well into the All-Star game that year because it was a month after his passing and yeah, everybody was wearing the – Exactly. They changed it up. Everybody was wearing 24. Um, the, they had the, uh, the MVP award re, uh, rebranded as the Kobe Bryant MVP award. So, like, everyone wanted to play for, for something major, right? And, like, I think, yeah, yeah. to me, that's the greatest NBA All-Star weekend that I've ever seen in my life. Like, from Friday to Sunday, like, everything was on point. Uh, no, no, nobody slouched or anything. I mean, I didn't see the celebrity game, but whatever. Um, but like, it, it, it was the greatest thing. But you know, following the All Star Weekend, uh, we go into the bubble because of the pandemic. So that that happened. Um, yeah. What was it like? July, I think, is when like late July is when the bubble started. Like they have a, a few. Yeah, because uh, they canceled the league. Yeah, they canceled it or or suspended it, as they would say. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know what? Before we get into the bubble, let's talk about suspension of the league. What was your reaction? when they announced the suspension of the league? I mean, I thought it only made sense in terms of where they were going with uh, the protocols they were trying to put in place. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't like it as being a basketball fan and wanting mm-hmm. to watch basketball and all that kind of stuff. But right. given what was going on around the world and, you know, how the NBA is usually a leader in terms of, you know, being a, you know, being an example for other sports, for other, for other major sports, Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to do something and I feel like they made the right choice I don't know if they should have opened back up when they did I don't believe so because it was kind of a weird season in that well, I guess you're going to go to the bubble but it was kind of a weird season when they did that you know with guys leaving coming and going and leaving and then quarantining and even now it's still weird like mm-hmm. as your record you lose like there'll be times when there's seven players available Yep. On a, and it has, and it's none of them are the starters. The guys they've never seen before, and now they've lost four in a row. And it's like, yep. they're not in the playoffs. Like, what are we? What are we doing? Yep. Raptors kind of fit into that boat right there. <laughs> yeah, like half the team wasn't playing for two weeks. <coughs> exactly, they're just taking L's. Like, this is, it, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it didn't feel right. It felt like we were getting we were getting cheated. Um, but uh, we'll we'll get to them in a second. We'll get to them in a second. Um, but you know, leading up into you know the suspension, like for me, I was like, okay, and I, and I talked about this last week as well. Like when it came to the uh, the bubble, or not the bubble, but the, uh, the the coronavirus, for example, I was like, I didn't take it as seriously as I as I should have. Not to say that I was all up everywhere being like, oh, I'm gonna touch everything, and then everyone said, not 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 to that point. It wasn't Rudy Gobert, but um, <laughs> when um. When it just came to hearing about the coronavirus, I, I'm thinking, okay, it's probably on the, it's just on the other side of the globe right now. We don't have anything to worry about. That was my mentality. Yeah. But then March comes along, and I'm hearing it's in North America. I'm like, okay, maybe I should keep my eye on that a little bit. <laughs> and then by the time we hear about celebrities catching it, and then you know, the NBA suspending it. When I heard, when I heard about that, mind you, I was watching a basketball game as they announced that on the air while a basketball game was in action or in progress. And when they announced that, I was like, oh, oh, this is serious. Oh, this is a real thing. The, the league is suspending until, until when? Like, for, for indefinitely, what does that mean? <laughs> so that's when I'm like, okay, Corona is, Corona is a lot, lot more worse than I thought. And yep. then, so, you know, we're going through the months without basketball. I'm like, I get it. Like, I'm like, sure, I love the game. I want to see if the Raptors in particular can defend their title without Kawhi. Like, I was really you know, and anticipating to see that. But I'm like, you know what? It's bigger than basketball right now. So if we have to stay suspended until further notice, I get it. I'm just going to have to find something else with my time. It is what it is. And I did. 
I did. You know what I mean? But, you know, you still love the game nonetheless. Um, and then we go into the bubble now. And the bubble, like this whole concept of the bubble, you know, everyone having like separate, I guess, separate hotel areas within the, yep. the Disney Orlando Studios complex, whatever that thing is. And I'm like, okay, like it, it could potentially work. Like, let's see how it is. And, you know, more or less, like it still provided some interesting basketball. Um, a lot of twisted turns. Yeah, you, you did, you did, absolutely. There are some players who thrived in it, but then there are other players who were like shells of them former selves. And I'm, and I'm just like, wow, like we are in the twilight zone right now. And you can tell that home court advantage was surely missed because there are some teams that if they had that home court advantage, they would have done a lot better. Like you can tell because like, sure. some teams just thrive off of that, off of that energy. Um, interesting enough, though. You know, when the uh, the tragic murders of Breonna Taylor uh, and and um, and George Floyd surfaced, um, the NBA and the WNBA, uh, they both took a stand and decided to boycott right in the middle of the postseason and regular season, respectively. Um, and when they did that, again, you pointed out that they're leaders and rightfully so, because a lot of leagues did the same thing. A lot of solo athletes did the same thing as well. Like, I think... Um, uh, what was this? I think Serena Williams uh, boycotted one of her matches. Um, yeah. A lot of people did. But the one league, <laughs> the one league that chose to do nothing until, you know, it was already all said and done and too late was the NHL. Um, what was your reaction to the NHL deciding to boycott when it was a little too little too late, so to speak? I mean... <clears throat> when I heard about it and, and the fact that they weren't doing much, um, you know, obviously I felt, and me being, personally, I felt typical. Like, this is not a league that's dominated um, primarily by black people or African-Americans, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I, so I felt like this is, this is a really bad look for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's showing their colors. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, if you want to say it in those words, sure, right? yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like the only one of the only leagues that's primarily dominated by um, Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. They're not in favor of doing what everyone else is, and I'm not saying you should follow what everyone else is. But when it's the smart choice and the right choice, then yes, you know that would make sense that you. Could go. <laughs> but not when it's you're going against the grain for a cause that's supposed to be doing some justice. You know what I mean? That didn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, yeah, honestly, <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, when, when I noticed that, I, I was just waiting for, you know, the news outlets to pick it up. Because I noticed, like, one after one day after the uh, NBA, NFL postponed training camp, uh, MLB decided to, to, to boycott, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, hmm, there's still one missing out of the bunch. Hmm, I'm not going to say anything. Well, let's just wait. And then they decided to cancel or, or boycott. I'm just like, it's, again, like, like, like you said, typical, right? Because I've always been critical of the NHL and its lack of diversity and just l- lack of awareness altogether. And it didn't surprise me, but I'm just glad that it got exposed because yeah. it's something that I've been saying for years. And the fact that the whole world, or at least North America, gets to see that, I'm like, I'm just sipping tea at this point. I'm just sipping. At, I'm already laughing at the things that I already knew about that that most people were just catching up on, 
And, yeah. you know, I feel bad for that one player who was the representative of the uh, Players Diversity Association because, unfortunately for him, the league was just using him as a little patsy to speak on diversity and what have you. They used him as a diversity hire. And I can tell he feels strongly about these issues. They don't care, but as long as they have somebody saying or speaking out to, look, to make them look good, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I found a stat, you know, during this time uh, when, when that, that whole thing was going down. And apparently, uh, and I'm not surprised, but apparently only 3% of the NHL and its players make up for black and or African-American players. Only 3%, which brings us to a whopping total of 27 players out of possible, well, like 400, 450, give or take, in the league. So, yep. again, I'm not surprised that, you know, there's such a lack of diversity in, in that regard. Um, I'm not sure what the demographics would be for, for Aboriginals, because I, w- I would imagine that they would make up somewhat of a, of, of a, a significant amount. But nonetheless, when it comes to, to the lack of, you know, uh, black players in the league, I'm not surprised that, you know, they, they, were, they, were, they weren't quick to do anything at all. But again, like you were saying, it was just a bad look on them all because it's like, okay, now the league knows that you don't give a shit <laughs> about, about, about black people. You know what I mean? So, like, what are you going to do now? Like, you can have all these PSAs and what have you, but it's not going to change the fact that you, you just don't care. And, exactly. and there was even a coach, I can't remember the name uh, of the coach or which team he coached or coaches, but he, was, he just gave, like, the most white privilege answer that you can imagine. He's like, oh, well, to be honest, I didn't really know much about, you know, you know the events that were happening, you know. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about anything in the real world, you know. I'm just of a coach. I'm, I'm just a coach, you know. I just focus on, on games and stuff like that and making plays. I'm like, dude, really? Really? Like, oh, God. It, <laughs> I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I'm like, the, 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 the privilege just shows, man. It's like, you know, you're not even trying to care. At this point, ah, disgust. It, 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 absolutely, and, but then now I notice that you know, with, with that whole with that whole uh, time uh, period, that a lot of entities within media and entertainment are now hopping on. We're, we're now hopping on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. Before you know, a year before, let's just say nobody wanted to touch that because they didn't want to be seen as being associated with a terrorist group or being seen as radicals, whatever. But now everyone's like, oh, you stand for black lives. Why? Because nobody wants to be on the wrong side of history. And it's like, we know these people don't genuinely care about the cause, but they just don't want to be seen as that guy who didn't say anything or that girl who didn't say anything. Exactly. Exactly. It was was just so disingenuous. Like, even certain networks I'm watching, I'm just like, man, y'all don't give a shit. Y'all don't care. The worst one was when I seen they they finally came out with a black band-aid. <laughs> did you see that? A, a black what? When they, when they came out with a colored band-aid. A band-aid oh, my band-aid. God. I didn't see it. <laughs> you didn't see it? No. Because you know how band-aids are, right? Yeah. First, first off, I never even knew that band-aids were supposed to blend in with your skin tone. So <sighs> what they did, band-aid came out in, with different... Uh, like shades, different I guess? Shades. Yeah, if we want to call it that. Different shades of black skin or brown skin or whatever you want to call oh it so that god. now we're all equal and we can all have band-aids oh that my our god and that is like, terrible after all these years and blm had to happen for you to think that you're right i'm sorry but a band-aid is not going to cover up a bullet wound <laughs> you know what i mean i i never saw that i never saw that like i never like i i knew after a while I just grew up like band-aids were like the same color as like white skin basically or just lighter skin in general 
So I'm just like, all right, I already know what the, I already know what the deal is. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna harp on that. There's bigger battles, but like the fact that even that became a thing is hilarious. Yeah. Um, I just, I even remember how they were doing the commercials started uh, popping up for a season of The Bachelor, where, where for the first time they're gonna have a black bachelor. I'm just like, and again, similar, 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 you know, token to you. So it took, you know, the black lives and, they had him now. and a whole bunch of shootings to have. The Black Bachelor for the first time, Rick. Really? <laughs> so, like, how many people had got to get shot in order, in order for that to be greenlit? You know what's crazy too? Speaking on the Bachelor. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if I could speak on that, but I actually, well, I can because I'm not gonna do. I just got asked to be on the Bachelor. Are you serious? I swear. <laughs> last week, I got asked from the producer to be on the Bachelor. I had to say no, though. Obviously, you know. Right. Of course, of course. No, dog. I was, I was gonna ask. I was like, hold on. Did he? Did he get divorced? Like, I don't want to say anything if, if it's too personal. But like, <laughs> so I'm like, yo, I no, these guys. I had to respectfully, something. respectfully decline. You know. Yeah. But um, no, I did ask them if they need me for any extras or if they want to put me on any other show. Yeah. Um, definitely down for that. But they said at this point now, we just we saw your profile. We saw you. We thought that you'd be good to be on the right. show. We really wanted you, but yeah. Like, do they want you to be like the main bachelor or just like one of like the eligible bachelors? I don't know. One of okay. one of the bachelors. Okay. Or maybe work my way up. Who knows? Right. But I, if I was on the show, I'm getting to the main. I'm definitely working my way up. When I oh see yeah. Structure. When I seem to pay, oh, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> but obviously, no money is gonna is gonna be able to take away my loyalty. So absolutely, it's no one for me. And of course, as we all know, black men don't cheat. Come on now. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Oh man. Okay. So yeah, man. So yeah. Um. Yeah. A lot of things just kind of came out of that. You know, that whole experience. But then, like, you know, going back to like the actual play within the bubble, man. Like, like we were talking about before, it just exposed a lot. You know, in terms of like how players are able to cope with the environment and stuff like that. And then now we're in a situation where we are not necessarily in a bubble, but like we're, we're just going by protocols based on COVID and what have you. Um, you already kind of alluded to some of the things, some of the inequities that we've seen with, within the league uh, thus far with, with the, with the COVID protocols and what have you, but overall, how do you feel like the league is doing uh, with all these things put in place? I feel like they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, you know, this is, this is still fairly new, mm-hmm. right? Still people don't even really know how to deal with, with, something like this they don't they're not sure like we understand that there's ways of how it spreads but mm-hmm. not fully understandable you know it's still it's just become a year where we yeah. had this and usually studies like this for diseases or stuff like that take years right you know so we're, we're nba is acting pretty fast and doing what they're doing and mm-hmm. every day obviously is a different learning experience and you just gotta kind of take it how it is and applaud them for the for what they've been able to do so far and still give us basketball mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. And you know what? Um, I got to commend the league on that as well, because like <clears throat> they are making it work, um, you know, as best as they can. Um, I must say I was a, a, a little critical when they decided to go forth with an all-star weekend, um, just because like I, I was under the impression that, you know, going into this season with the addition uh, within the CBA agreement that they would have an all-star break for players to kind of like rest and recuperate but then there would be no All-Star weekend, but then they kind of changed their, ma- changed their minds like a month away from, you know, 
what would be the proposed date for the All-Star Weekend. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, sure, cool for entertainment and enjoyment purposes and, you know, for sponsorships to, you know, get their money and what have you. But it's just like you're going to have all those players in one condensed area. And the argument is, yeah, you can kind of treat it like the bubble, for example, but you got to account for all the people who are probably traveling into Atlanta, for example, for all the festivities and stuff like that, or yeah, like yeah. festivities, for example. Um, but it's, it's risky. And then like we even saw with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons that they can part- participate in the weekend because of the fact that they were uh, around somebody who had COVID and they didn't know if they had it or not and they had to report it. So it could have ended a lot worse. They were still able to pull it off. Three-point contest was probably the best three-point contest that we've seen in a few years, I would say. Yeah. Uh, just, just with, you know, you know, Steph Curry, you know, being Steph Curry brought it the excitement. But I thought that was somewhat of a misstep that I guess worked out for them. But I, it would have been better if they treaded a bit more lightly in that regard. But overall, I would say they're doing the best job they can. But, yeah, I would say that one of the major flaws is the fact that because, you know, there's been contact tracing with a few players here and there, you've had so many players miss games. And because of that, they're falling in and out of playoff position. I mean, like, what was it, like two weeks ago, the Raptors were fourth in the East after having such a rough two and eight start. But then because we, we were missing our three best players, we were on this, like, what, seven-game losing streak, I think, and now we're, like, 11th in, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. And That's two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. It made a difference. And it's not that they can't get back into the playoff hunt, but now it's just, like, there's so much more ground to cover. You know, yeah. especially you with their schedule, the you lose, you lose any, you know, the group that you guys are in, you're catching, like, it's, it's just tough. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for them. I think they had the worst because, again, they had a two and eight start and they're the only team in the league who's not playing in their home arena. They're, they're basically in the bubble all over again. They're playing in some random court in Tampa. Their, their practice facility is another hotel room. Whereas back in Toronto, they had the OVU Athletic Center, which is probably one of the best innovative, you know, practice facilities in the entire league, and they don't have that at their disposal. And, you know, even though their, their court looks like, you know, what their court would look like if they were in Toronto, it's just not the same. Like, First players their can probably explain that better. better. Mm-hmm. Their, home, their homes, their families, what they're used to, you know, all the mm-hmm. things that they're used to doing is not there. <clears throat> it's just not home. Exactly. And you players, can take everything from my house and put it in a different home and tell me to go stay there. It's not the same. It's not my house. I know that. Mm-hmm. And and players and like they're looking for different homes, like you like you just mentioned, they're looking for different homes and going through all that. And I think there weren't enough people who were taking that into consideration. Like people were just saying, "Well, we're all going through." It. It's like, yeah, we're all going through the general COVID stuff. I get that, but when it comes to the Raptors in particular, they're playing inside a country in, in an arena that's not even theirs, you know. And yeah. because they're now located within the Southeast, like, are they still an Atlantic Division team at this point? Or are they part of the Southeast Division at this point? Uh, like, there's so many different mit- mitigating factors that people really need to take account of. And, like, now it's just, like, you know, some players some players have been performing very well. Like, Fred, Fred Van Vliet has probably been the best player uh, for the Raptors this year, I think. Like, he – I would say if they were doing a lot better than how they started off with, he probably could have been an all-star for the first time this year. Um, yeah, for sure. But nonetheless, like, these things take its toll. Um, with that in mind, like, do you still believe that – and I won't, I won't even say is there a chance for them to make the playoffs because I, I definitely think they will. I think, I think they're better than what the record indicates. But do you think that there's a chance that they can make it beyond 
the play-in points so they can actually get like a sixth seed or higher and just avoid the play-in altogether. Do you feel like they have a chance of doing that? I do feel like they have a chance in doing it. Um, you know, if COVID prevented, if COVID or anything of those contact tracing stuff doesn't happen again, mm-hmm. if that happens again, we have to understand it's also a shortened season too, right? So, you know, if, if we have all our guys back and we're able to go and gel again and do all the things we can do, catch a stride, I think that we have that opportunity to do it. Um, just hoping that we don't run into one of those speed bumps again where we have to take a step back and make people rest, recover, and be away from the team. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's just been, like, the, the biggest struggle as well. Um, yeah, it, it's it's weird. I would say – yeah, if if they can, and mind you, like my expectations going into the season were low, just kind of based on what happened in the bubble and just how you know we didn't see the Pascal Siakam that we wanted to see. Um, I would say at this point, you know, for whatever it's worth, like if they're able to at least get like a sixth seed or whatever, just past the uh, the whole playing tournament altogether, I think that alone would be a win. You know what I mean? Because we know that. This isn't the team that we were hoping to see coming into the season. Like a, a lot of people had hopes that we would be able to at least be able to resign Fred VanVleet and and Serge Ibaka. Like we would understand if Mark wasn't able to come back because of his age and all that. We heard all the rumors yeah. of him going back to Spain. Um, we were hoping that you know we would be contenders in the in the Giannis sweepstakes, so to speak. But he decided to uh, to take the bag, which is is totally understandable. I'm not even mad at that. It's like. 230 M's, like, you're, you're going to take that, especially when you came from nothing. It's like, I, I get that. Yeah. But, like, the league – or but the the way they've been playing or the way the, the season's been turning out, it's been panning out, it hasn't been what we're used to in recent years especially. Um, but I, I would say that, again, you know, if you're able to make it uh, – or, if sorry, if you're able to avoid the playing tournament altogether, that alone is a win on the season based on everything that's, that's happened. The rough start – the um, the fact that you had players missing games due, due to COVID, so many mitigating factors. If you're able to to still get like that sixth or fifth playoff seed despite all the things that happened, I'd say that's a win. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, and before we get into our our main topics of, of of the pod, you did mention that you have some projects in the works um, as far as like new business ventures and what have you. Uh, do you care to speak on that? Uh, sure. Uh, no, to be honest, um, what I was referring to when I said that is, um, you know, life beyond basketball training for what I do and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I recently started, uh, I recently launched a scholarship fund. Mm. It's called the live your dream scholarship fund. And that is for anybody who's 17 to 20 years old. Um, obviously who just finished high school or who is recently out. Um, and it's a scholarship that's just helping them, uh, obviously, monetary, monetary-wise, to either go post-secondary mm-hmm. or start, one, start a business that they choose. Um, I didn't want it to be one of the scholarships that say, you got to go to school, you got to go to university, you got to go to college, because I understand in this day and age, that's not an option. Like, that's not the first option for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's old age thinking where you're forced to go here. I believe that if you have a, a dream of starting a business and you have a legitimate plan and you, you think you know what you're doing, then why not help somebody get started if they're completely sold on this is what I want to do? I mean, we go to school to figure out what we want to do. If they know what they want to do right now, 
I'll help them if they can, if they could show me that this is how they're going to do it. This is what I want to do. And I'm, and they're, you know, they're, they're stuck on doing that. Absolutely. And honestly, you bring up a great point as well, because, you know, we're in a day and age where a college and or university degree is not the end all be all because we, we know people uh, and we're associated people who have those degrees, but they're not in the field that they study for. And, you know, when that happens, you're, you're spending, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to pay off your debt, whether that's through student loan or, or, or other means as well. And, you know, to, to have, you know, a foundation like that, that actually gives that person the grant to start off their own business, even if it's at age 20, that's a beautiful thing to have. If, if that person already has a, a plan in mind or just at least an idea, all you need is an idea at the very least in mind exactly, exactly. Um, to, you know, to, to, to get something off of the ground. If that's the case, then why not? Because, you know, like the same way that, you know, our parents or our past generations value, you know, education, education is great. I get it. But it's not guaranteed to get you into where you want to be. It's not like they're going to come to your convocation and hire you on a spot and then you'll get a job two weeks later. Like, exactly. there's a few exactly. people who are lucky to even get that. Like, that's, that's the lottery. And so if that's the case, then it is what it is at that point. So I would say, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, it's, it, it would be important for, for somebody to pursue that most definitely. Yep. So that's one of my uh, ventures, and I also started a mark, uh, not a marketing uh, agency where mm-hmm. uh, a represent a talent representation agency where I will be, well, me and my team will be um, obviously managing talent and helping them gain and garner endorsement deals off the court or off the field, off the ice, whichever sport they play, mm-hmm. and it's called Ball and Dream Sports Group, um, and it's simple. I mean. For majority of the sports, they all have ball. They all have a ball, right? You know, so and we've all started. This is I believe that we all started with the ball and the dream at our young age. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that dream was to make it to the <laughs> highest level that we can make it to. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout that, now there's there's different ways that we can leverage ourselves, our, our celebrity, our brand, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that um, we can all do that. So I'm starting a company where I will be helping others do that along with my team and so far so good excellent excellent man i'm looking forward to uh seeing these projects you know come to fruition man most definitely so let's get into some of the main topics of 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 today of of today's part all right so a few things uh that happened uh throughout the week that was so let's get to let's get to the grammys real quick so the grammys took place last sunday actually like i didn't even realize it took place that day um, but uh, I just took a brief look at the highlights about as far as who won and stuff like that. Um, and this year in particular, their focus from what I could surmise was black artists or were black yeah. artists rather. Like I know Beyonce broke a record for, I think it was most nominations ever by, by recording artists. Um, Kanye broke a record as well. Um, I think, uh, what's your name? Um, Cardi B and uh, Meg Thee Stallion performed their hit single WAP uh, during, during, the, during the whole thing. Um, and her won an award as well. Like a lot of black artists won, won awards that night. Nas won his first ever Grammy uh, with his King Disease album. That was, I did not yep. expect that at all. Um, but overall, like, again, I didn't watch the Grammy, so I'm not going to, you know, judge as far as whether or not I liked it because I didn't watch it. But from what I'm seeing, you know, from what, from what I'm witnessing, it's like, 
I feel happy that those artists, you know, got their awards and what have you, but I still feel like the Grammys are kind of a broken system as far as the voting uh, within the, the committees or what have you. And kind of like what we were alluding to with the diversity grabs, you know, ever since the whole Breonna Taylor incidences and what have you, I feel like this was the Grammys response to that. I feel, I feel like with all these awards that they were giving out to all these artists, like even, even Beyonce's daughter won an award. You know what I mean? It's just like, I feel yeah. like all these awards that they were giving out, it's just like, hey guys, we care about black artists. We're going to give you guys all these awards or most of the awards at least. But when it came to the most important awards of the night, like record of the year and, and, and album of the year, of course, Taylor Swift won. You know what I mean? Like Taylor, Taylor Swift, like her third album of the year award, her third, like, Again, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but you can't tell me that she has three albums that are better than everyone else's. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it still kind of stings me. And then, of course, The Weeknd, who had the biggest album of 2020, wasn't even nominated, which is, again, broken system. Um, but yeah, just upon hearing, you know, the results of the Grammys, like, what, like what's your take on it? About the same way, like I feel that it was that was it's it should be embarrassing on their part that the weekend wasn't even nominated for anything. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of songs that he has, the amount of hits that he put out mm-hmm. on his latest album in 2020 alone, it it should have been undisputable that he should at least be nominated. Mm-hmm. At least, I mean, I think he should have won a few, but you know, to, again, we it goes back to the the system being broken. You want to understand now, like, how did they actually measure the success or how do they, you know what I mean? Like, what, what are their qualifications to be nominated? Right. Because he should have checked off every box and what he's been able to do. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And I think it just comes down to politics at the end of the day. Uh, it's like, there's no, re- like, granted, if he was nominated for, he should have been nominated for at least like seven awards, at least, including album of the year. And I feel strongly that he would have won that had he been nominated. But yeah, like just that, just based off of that alone, like I was already on this vibe where I'm not going to watch the Grammys anymore. I've, I felt that way for like the last two or three years. But the fact that the weekend was even nominated, I'm like, okay, like y'all just lost your credibility at this point. Like, yeah, I didn't watch it myself, mm-hmm. but I, but I heard uh, Lil Baby had a crazy performance. Yeah, I heard, the, I heard the same thing. I heard the same thing. I haven't checked it out yet, but you know, like good for all the black artists who won their awards. It's great. But at the same time, I can't help but feel that this is just like another diversity be- be- uh, grab or just like a-, a pandering of sorts, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it-, it is what it is. So it is what it is. Um, next topic I want to get to is um, this. Uh, let's go into film now, actually. Speaking of diversity. So um, this has to do with a producer who goes by the name of Todd Garner. He's actually the lead producer for the new uh, Mortal Kombat movie that's coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. in April next month. And so he was uh, being asked a, a bunch of questions during like a, a virtual press junket. And um, one of the questions um, that he was asked had to deal with uh, the character of Johnny Cage, who's like one of the more popular characters in the, in the in the video game that they're adapting into the movie. So a lot of people were asking, you know, why isn't Johnny Cage involved in the movie? Like, well, like, where is he? Like, why, how come he's not going to be in the movie? And so one of the answers or responses that he gave was that he didn't feel comfortable having a white male lead in this type of movie. So when he said that, a lot of people, like, lost their minds. They're like, what do you mean? Like, you're being racist. This is diversity, diversity hiring all over again and stuff like that. So... I have a few thoughts on that, um, but 
you know, based on that, on that statement, like what's, what's your like immediate reaction to that? I mean, I feel like, <clears throat> and you know that something like this is going to come up because of, you know, everything that's been happening recently in the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, everybody, everybody's still kind of on edge and not understanding or not knowing how to deal with certain situations. And I feel like this is one of those things where people are still kind of like, uh, should I do this or should I not do this? Right. If I don't do this, am I going to be like that? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's great that everybody's aware now. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it took this long, but at least we're aware now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But I just feel like it's still one of those sticky situations where people are like, I, should I do that? If I don't do it, am I this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you do have a movie and if you don't have a black lead, it's, it's still okay to not have a black lead in the movie. You don't right. have to have a black lead. That's not the whole point. The point is to give equal opportunity. That mm -hmm. if a black guy or whomever it is, is just as good as a white lead, then mm -hmm. why not have that? You know what I mean? Or exactly. better. That's the whole point of it. Is That's what I feel. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. Um, just to give a few, a, a bit further context, you know, into this whole thing, um, in case there are people listening who have no idea what Mortal Kombat is or anything like that. Uh, basically, Mortal Kombat is a popular video game franchise that started in the early 90s. It's about 30 years old at this point. Um, and the three main characters in that video game are uh, an Asian male and then a white male and then a white female. So the Asian male is Liu Kang. The white male is Johnny Cage, and the white female is Sonya Blade. The main character is the Asian male, Liu Kang, basically. Um, and so, like, the Johnny Cage character is more of, like, a tertiary character. He's kind of there for more for, like, comic relief. Um, he's kind of, like, the viewer's insight into, like, how ridiculous and this whole event is, basically. Uh, but with the movie, they've taken a few liberties. Well, I wouldn't say any liberties, but, like, they've changed it a bit just to make it a bit more adaptable for today's audience. So they created a brand-new... Uh, lead character for the movie specifically and the lead character is of asian descent um and with johnny cage not being in the movie a lot of people were asking questions as to why and with johnny cage like i would say that he doesn't he's not naturally the lead character in the film anyway so the director and the producer could have had him in the film if they wanted to but i think another reason that they gave as to why he's not in the film is because of how important that character is and how there wasn't enough room to have his arc within the film. So if they do get to have a sequel, then he'll be a larger focus within that sequel if they get to that point. So I'm okay yeah. with that. That's totally fine. Um, and I think another thing that people need to realize is that even though his comments was somewhat cringy, and I can understand the cringiness of it, I think he's coming from a point of sincerity because of the fact that when it comes to martial arts-based films, Ever since the 70s, we've had white male lead actors, you know, play the role of like the white savior where they go into the foreign land, they learn the ways yeah. of martial arts, and then they, they take down the, uh, the Asian oppressor, and then they have like the, the, the docile female Asian support, supporting character come, you know, come to their rescue, whatever the case may be. And in a movie, in this particular movie, in Mortal Kombat, the majority of the cast is Asian. So it would have set, the, set a bad precedence if there was a white male lead as, as the lead, so to speak. But again, going back to this particular character, you don't have to have him as a lead because he's not a lead in the, the franchise as a whole in the first place. So yeah. I get where both sides are coming from. Um, and I think he was just trying to be sensitive to not repeat that same mistake. You know, like, like um, Iron Fist, for example. I'm not, I'm not sure if you saw Iron Fist on Netflix, but again, it was the same thing where they had the white male lead 
in a martial arts based project where the majority of the cast was Asian. So I get it from that standpoint. They don't want to repeat that same mistake. So it, 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 yeah, it, it is what it is at that point. I, I totally understand. Uh, but uh, we're coming up near the end of the broadcast. So before we get to that, we have one more segment and I cannot do a show without the segment. So with that being said, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And the Wankster of this week goes to the cop who was uh, basically putting out a press conference with regards to the attacks and the murders of the Asian women in Atlanta. Now, I'm giving this guy the Wankster of the Week. I'm not even going to say his name because he doesn't even deserve that, that gratitude. But the reason why I'm giving him the Wankster of the Week is because of the fact that he dismissed um, the actions of the, of, of the suspect by basically saying that that person was having a bad day. And the exact quote of this police chief was, and I quote, yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is what he did. Now, I'm referring to the suspect in this murder case where he basically went into, I think it was a beauty salon of some sort, and he murdered multiple people and assaulted multiple people as well. And apparently they're trying to say how he has like some sort of mental health issues or he was trying to abstain from, um, from receiving sexual favors from sex workers and he didn't know how to properly abstain. So this is what he did in retaliation to that. I mean, if that's the case, why not just not do anything at all? Like, don't take it out on people who had nothing to do with your addiction or whatever. Don't do yep. nothing at all. So that's his own case. But the fact that this chief decided to say, hey, it wasn't his fault. He was having a bad day. If there are black people who are, who are having a bad day for whatever reason, and they got gunned down, he wouldn't be saying the exact same thing. He was saying, you know, we did what we had to do to take down that assailant and just saying all these other nasty things. So I'm sorry, but... It just goes to show that there's no justice for people of color um, in, in North America, especially when it comes to the Asian community during these hard times that we're going through with Corona and people, you know, pinning them as the, the cause of Corona. And it's just open season on any Asian person for, for any person's hatred towards, towards that racial group. So this is a, a complete reflection of that. And for that reason, I'm giving him the wanks of the week. Easy. Not even close. But uh, Justin, real quick, what's your what's your take on that? And I agree. It, it's again, I, this has been my word as of late, all twenty twenty. It's just disgusting, mm -hmm. you know, that you would, he could even like. Sometimes I think people don't think before they speak. Mm -hmm. They just say what's on their mind. When <laughs> obviously we all have a lot of things in our in our brains and on our mind, and we want to say. But come on, you don't say that stuff out loud, mm -hmm. even if that's what he believed. Being on national TV and being in the, in the news outlet like that, it, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm shocked that he would think something like that mm -hmm. and have those type of perspective or views because mm -hmm. that's completely wrong. But just to even say it out loud is, is just disgusting in my opinion. Absolutely, 100%. No doubt about that. Uh, but on that note, we have to conclude today's show. So, Justin, really want to thank you for being on the show once again. First virtual guest of Cool Radio. I really appreciate it. Uh, we can, we'll definitely chat some more. Um, I will give people your socials on where to follow you and all that good stuff. Uh, but any final thoughts uh, before we uh, conclude today's show? 
No, no, it's been great. I just want to wish you, you know, happy, uh, happy New Year because I never got to do that. Yeah, thank you, sir. And, you know, praying that you have a blessed 2021 and beyond just like the rest of us. You know, hopefully we'll all get through this sooner, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. I'll be back in the studio for the next time. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but yes, ladies and gents, thank you once again for tuning in. Um, you already know where, where to hit us up. And as you already know, uh, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.